Gray. And I am Hart. We are asexual Christians. Christian asexuals? How is that different than just being celibate? How do we exist between a mainstream and a face culture that both prioritize sexual relationships? Just in very different ways. Today, does purity culture teaching still have an impact on asexual Christians? (laughs) Boy, it does. Alrighty, before we launch in, I want to go ahead and give a heads up that um, there are probably going to be some painful topics covered, especially if this is something that you've experienced. Um, I would like to recommend the podcast Where Do We Go From Here, which deals with more of the purity culture issues specifically, and wanted to let everyone know that even though we will be talking about some pretty heavy topics, um, my dear co-host, Hart, is a sex repulsed asexual, and we are going to be keeping this solidly in the GPG category. Thank um, you. Just heads up, love to all of you, um, and hope and prayers for healing for any of you who have been impacted by some of this stuff. Alrighty, with that being said, we can get on with the show. So, Gray, I think it would be nice for you to start and give us your background and history with parody culture. Alrighty. Um, so, I think that my first introduction to parody culture um, would be through the True Love Waits movement when I was about nine. So I was exposed to purity culture and abstinence like around the same time, if not before I even had the sex talk um, or got my period or any of that. I remember being about nine years old and a friend of my parents gave me a True Love Waits CD that had a bunch of songs on it from bands I was familiar with, like DC Talk or Newsboys. And one of the songs was DC Talk's um, I Don't Want It which is like, I don't want to save your sex for now. And at this point, I had like the barest, fuzziest notion of what that even meant. But I liked the, I liked the beat. We only had, uh, we only had uh, Christian contemporary music in my house at the time. Mercifully, my, my family has uh, opened up past that, um, past those troubled days of my youth. But that was my first exposure to purity culture. Um, I got a lot of messages about what I should and shouldn't wear, which is another part of it. Um, A lot of expectations in purity culture are put on uh, women, on how um, we dress or present ourselves. And I internalized a lot of those messages. So even when I was like, Again, about eight or nine, um, you don't wear two-piece swimming suits. Like, I was over at a friend's house, and she tried loaning me a two-piece swimming suit, and I'm like, no, no, I can't wear that. Um, because, to my mind, it's like, no, those are those are bad, dirty, not allowed things. And the strange thing about this, to me, is that um, I was probably more self-policing, especially as I got older, than, you know, policed. I was I was much more likely to be oh to to say about myself um oh I'm not going to I'm not going to wear this and I uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with it 
but there was a site called The Revolution at the time from Alex and Brett Harris, younger brothers of Josh Harris. And their site was called Do Hard Things. So on their site, they had what they called the modesty survey. And, oh gosh, they've taken it down since then. Credit to them. It essentially went through every item of clothing that a young woman in the church might wear and said on a scale of one to 10, how likely it was to make a man have impure thoughts. And they just had a bunch of guys vote anonymously on every single article of women's clothing. So I remember being about 13 and reading through this and going, oh, so apparently ankle socks are a problem or skirts. Or I just remember one anonymous commenter said basically anything that gives more information than that you have two legs is a problem. Um, like knees even. And this made me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, personally, I think as well it should. Not just as uh, someone who is a young, you know, just going through puberty. Um, but it just, it made me feel so uncomfortable. And like all of the men I knew were um, only interested in women's physicality. And I internalized a lot of those messages um, later on as I was going through middle school and high school. These were beliefs that I already kind of had, that this was how half of the human race was. And that followed me, unfortunately, into my early 20s when I became a youth leader in a youth group and spread a lot of those same messages because that was just how I believed things were. Now, where asexuality figures into this and we'll get into it a little bit more as we go on. Um, but how asexuality figures into this is that female sexual attraction isn't talked about in purity culture outside of the context of a wife and husband. And even then, the expectation is that um, a relationship will be, a physical relationship will be for the benefit of the husband and not the wife. Now, all of these things are false. Um, it's, it's just not accurate. But as a young woman who didn't experience strong sexual attraction or any sexual attraction, it was really easy to think, oh, well, that's because I'm a woman. I've been kind of told these things. Yeah. So that's my background. As far as coming out of that, I had, I have several brothers who I'm very fond of, uh, they rock. And I also started in my mid twenties getting more male friends and being able to have more open, honest conversations with them and realizing actually the way that this stuff that I was taught skewed um, isn't really representative of much of the human experience. It takes some generalizations and pushes them to these extremes. So generally, you will have more people who are, you know, 
assigned female at birth who identify as asexual, but there are plenty of people assigned male at birth who are asexual or aspec. I have met some. Um, and again, generally, you'll often find men having... Uh, it's, I'm not going to go into the terminology on this, basically. Um, but what they did is they took generalizations and they tried to make them set rules and build pretty tight structure around that. So that is with purity culture and abstinence teaching. Uh, on a lighter note, at one point I was in school and had uh, kind of some people from a local crisis pregnancy center come in to give the abstinence talk. Um, and during this, during this talk, we split off into small groups and the leader asked, now what would you do if your boyfriend who you really love said that he would like to sleep with you? And at the time I said, oh, well you, you kick him in the crotch. And <laughs> the lady went, no, you, you love this guy. And I'm like, well, then he wouldn't ask me to do something I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> and she just sort of shook her head and went, there's one in every group and then kept <laughs> going. And at the time I was just like, why is no one else having this thought? Like, why am I the only one who would be like, no, that's ick. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I think I was probably about 14 at that point. Um, yeah. But I just, I think back on that every once in a while with uh, there's one in every there's group one. and I'm like, Ooh, maybe there's more of us out there. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish I'd been in a group that was just the ones in every group. Um, but yeah, I feel like that would have made that entire unnecessary talking point a lot less awkward for me. So that is mine. Um, I recognize that some people have had much worse experiences. I recognize some people have had some positive experiences associated with these things. Um, yeah, I just, that is my experience. Now, Hart, you said something interesting to me the other day, because you've heard me wax eloquent on my, my frustration with purity culture teaching. Um, but for you, it didn't, it didn't, land is hard, even though you were in some similar circles. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I don't have a lot to say, uh, but I, you could say I brushed shoulders with it. I wasn't in a youth group. I wasn't involved with a lot of church teen activity things that would bring me to those in-depth. <laughs> yeah or in-depth purity talks or anything, I'm pretty sure the most purity culture content I got was from the internet because I would read some Christian blogs or websites and sometimes some friends of mine would send me things. So I definitely escaped a large portion of it. There was this story that 
I don't know if I found it online or if someone sent it to me. I really don't remember, but I remember the story and it was like a, a story about this girl and on her 16th birthday, her parents give her this bracelet and it has all these charms and it, there's like a, a polished, just rock kind of worthless thing. And then, and then there's something slightly more valuable like amethyst or something. And it like the jewels keep getting more and more expensive. And the last one is a diamond and when she asks her parents that she's like, oh, cool, thanks. And her parents are like, wait, you know, this comes with rules. And what she's supposed to do is starting with the polished rock. When she holds hands with a guy, she's supposed to give him the charm. And then when she has her first boyfriend, she's supposed to give him the next one. And up and up until the last one is marriage. And... So then the story goes on about how, you know, she is kind of flirting with this guy and he's trying to hold her hand and she puts her hands in her pockets or and all this stuff. And at the very end, she's getting married and she gives the entire bracelet to this one guy. And um, that story really bothered me. Yeah. (laughs) And uh a big sticking point is when I was a kid, I really liked to hold hands with my friends. We would go walking around the park or other things, and I would hold hands with some of my guy friends. And I am more of a, a physical touch person. And, uh, you know, in high school, that's just super weird anyway. And knowing, you know, do you hug a guy? Do you do this side hug? Do you do <laughs> well, this scandalous full front hug? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, I will credit my wonderful guy friends for always making me feel very comfortable with however that happened. <laughs> Like, I think we mostly did side hugs for a while and then we gave up because it's like, ah, eh, we're friends. But it, this particular story made me feel really uncomfortable about the boundaries I had already established with guys and that I was worried that my boundaries were not strict enough, especially physically. Mm. And um, that made me really sad. And I also just felt like it was this super unrealistic ideal of you know I don't I I know people who the first person they dated is the person they married and I think that's great like that sounds fun honestly but I don't know very many (laughs) so I don't like the idea that if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend if you have a romantic relationship that doesn't work out that somehow that is like smearing your purity that makes mm. me very very uncomfortable i mean pointing out the obvious for just a second here but you notice that that's like women right like a lot of the messages yes. are a lot of the messages are like hey girls make sure that you don't give yourself away and it's this kind of it's this kind of weird portrayal of men as having no control over themselves. 
Yes, which and is scary when you're which a, is a scary. sex repulsed woman like me. Like uh, it's it's scary it's even if scary. you're you know sex neutral or favorable. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and it's just totally disrespecting of I think of the humanity of everyone in the situation. Yes, because it's saying, oh well, you know, because you have this gender assignation like you you can't control yourself or because you have this one like you have to full responsibility for this other person's actions fall on you um there's just a lot of weirdness that i don't like in it doggone it and it's also this is my hopping on my christian soapbox for a minute it is not biblical because when you look at how jesus talked to women Mm-hmm. and talked about women like that was one of the most radical things apart from the whole him saying he's god thing that was one of the most <laughs> radical th- history mm-hmm. as you know his disciples would come up and they're like why were you talking to her and it's like well she's a person that's you know they were ha- he was having a conversation with the woman at the well in the same way he would have a conversation with a man that he had come across um because she's a person so I, I think that some of the uh, very stringent aspects of purity culture just really deny the personhood of human beings. And I am uh, not okay with that in any way, shape, or form. Okay, now, as far as being in a sexual impurity culture goes, um, I definitely, and I touched on this in the last episode, got pretty judgmental of people. Because again, I'm like, well, this is super easy, gold standard, you know, it's, it's not, this isn't hard to not, you know, violate these, this particular set of physical boundary rules that you're expected to follow. So obviously, purity culture is just pretty messed up for everybody and can harm everybody. Uh, But something that you've said that I want to kind of talk about Specifically for aces, you said this great line, which is heteroromantic ace is the gold standard in purity culture until it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Could you go into that? (laughs) I would like to give uh, I'd like to give credit here to um, Blue Medusa, the YouTuber and for her amazing series on asexuality. And she has. One part of it that is just asexuality and Christianity. I recommend people look it up. Um, It's fantastic. And she goes into more depth about this in that. Um, But the idea is that, you know, in middle school, high school, apparently for me, elementary school, um, kids being like, no, no, I'm going to save myself until marriage. I'm, you know, that's, that's, the gold standard, especially heteroromantic, because, oh, yes, I like boys. I might like holding hands with one or dreaming about a wedding. I'm also saying this as someone who didn't really get into physical contact as far as holding hands goes and never really built a dream wedding, um, which threw off a lot of my friends in high school and college, actually, looking back. Um but that's that's still gold standard is like Disney princess imaginings, but keeping everything very G-rated. Um, 
And then you reach this point where it's not the gold standard anymore. Because, and I think you and I reach that point at kind of different times in our lives, where all of a sudden the switch sort of flipped and it went, oh, but you should, you should look into settling down. Um, like both of us, uh, both Hart and I have done, we've lived internationally, we've done a lot of traveling. And at a certain point, you start to get these questions that are like, well, but you know, when are you going to, when are you going to land? When are you going to settle down? Or if you tell someone, hey, I'm moving to this, this country I'm really excited about, it's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll be praying you meet someone there. And it's just this kind of, I've had people say that. And it's just this kind of expectation that um, that's, that's your goal. That's what you should be aiming for. And the fact you haven't hit that yet should be making you a bit sad. And if it doesn't, then there's something a little off or a little selfish or a little wrong about you. Um, so it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird, you know, you were the, you were the little golden child up until, uh, up until it's like, okay, time to, time to settle down and get married and have babies now. And you're like, oh, actually, I don't think I'm going to do any of those things or I might, but it's just not super high on my priority list, which is where I'm at. Um, and at that point, it's like, well, maybe your maybe your standards are too high, maybe you're too picky, you know, uh, all of these things. Uh, I would I would love to hear some of your experience with that heart. I haven't had a whole lot of that, actually. You lucky duck. <laughs> um, not not in my home country, <laughs> mm. uh, and and it did not bother me in my my international travelings because I don't care. If, if I actually cared to find someone and get married, it would hurt. And I, I, did, I do know some single friends who live in that country who have a lot of people asking them right, and pressuring them. Hmm. Uh, but I, I kind of think it's hilarious. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing, I don't know if this will help anyone else, but um, Hart, I love that you're able to brush it off and not have to deal with even if people are kind of trying to pressure you into something you can just go oh you know what whatever I don't care it's my life um for anyone who's kind of more in the situation I find myself in where it makes me really uncomfortable to not live up to people's uh expectations um I have this little joke I tell myself <laughs> which is super cheesy and I found it probably on Pinterest or something and if I'm in a really uncomfortable family, usually extended family situation, and they're like, so when are you going to settle down? When are you going to, I, you know, I'll give the kind of hedgy, polite, like, no, you know what? I'm good. Answer. But inside, I just think they don't know. I have an ace up my sleeve. Um, oh, I love it's it. It's like, it's so me. Much. I'm the ace. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and it just, it's sort of like, makes me chuckle on the inside and alleviates a lot of the tension that I would otherwise be putting on myself of, oh no, these good people, they're, they're just trying to like make me happy and they think this will make me happy and they're wrong or these irritants they're you know, I, it, either way. Um, but yeah, that just, it makes me chuckle. It alleviates some of the situation. Now it's about time for us to wrap up, but kind of closing thoughts, both of us have young kids in our lives, not our own, but you know, kids that we've sort of, 
kids of friends or that are are sort of under our wings um so to speak what messages would you like them to grow up with or going forward how would you speak to them about these sorts of issues um what's kind of the main takeaway if it's not purity culture if you're trying not to just give them off like rigid set of rules and standards that they must live up to or they're not good enough oof that is heavy okay i'll go first (laughs) (laughs) um the little song the little jingle at the end of this is cheesy but i i really do want people to know that they are loved um that their bodies are good but especially if they're you know if they're if if they're a Christian, I want them to know that they're created in the image of God. I believe everyone is, but I, you know I'm not going to like push that on someone who doesn't believe in the Lord. But yeah, that their their body is good and designed purposefully, and that they're they're loved and lovely. Um, I don't want them to grow up with I don't want them to grow up with shame. I like that. I don't want them to grow up with shame. I don't know if I could really speak into the physical stuff of all that because, oof, you know, depending on on how the kid is, my advice not be may not be super helpful. But something I would like kids to know is that there's nothing you can do with your body or with your heart that will make you less loved or less valuable in God's eyes and in my eyes. That's good. We we need to have a, a that's so ace moment. I think I might we have do. one. Go for it. I have a that's so ace moment that I thought of when you were talking about planning weddings. Okay. Uh, I I did actually. There was this <laughs> one night I was lying in bed and I started thinking about my wedding and I I liked to sew and I I sewed at a very very young age so this is me at like 10 or something and I was like I am going to design this amazing wedding dress not in white because I think that's boring and I want these kinds of flowers and this kind of cake and it'd be cool to have it be like that and I I was thinking about it for a long time and then I was like oh yeah there's a groom and I, I, I like had this setup in my mind of like all the things. And I, then I had like this extra piece that was the groom. And I was like, oh, I guess he could be there. And then, and then, and then I finally just realized, you know what? I want a party and a pretty dress. I don't want a wedding. I want a party and a pretty dress. And that's all I really want. Oh, heart. That's so aced. <laughs> You know, I heard that about Cinderella once. Somebody was like, all she wanted was a new outfit and a night off. Yes, I love it. Thank you, dear listeners. And even though today was quite serious, uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. A one, two, three, four. We're aces in places, invading your ear spaces. We're glad you stayed with us today. Please know your love.